Sin City with Nick Manessis and Dane McLean. Live chat about everything cinema, from new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you movie lovers. Live for CMRU.ca. And now, to the men behind the mic. Welcome to Sin City with Nick Manessis and Dane McLean. We have a very special guest today by the name of Ryan Robinson. What's up? Hey, Ryan. You might know hey Ryan Robinson as the host of the, the beloved show Sintanisha, and of course as the director of West with Voices and East with Echoes. Congratulations to on those, Ryan. Very well done. Welcome Happy to both. be here, guys. <laughs> Before we so you know, get started in today's topic, which by the way is part two of our Halloween special, how are you guys? How are you, how are you guys doing uh, lately? Uh, let's start with you, Ryan. Like, uh, I'm doing like, great. I've been working on the show Crime Beat for Global News. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's that's been fun. That's kind of what's been keeping me busy lately. But I've been uh, kind of doing other other projects as well. Uh, my wife and I actually just started a new podcast. If anyone's oh. interested in checking that out, Absolutely. it's called it's called Take a Look, and it's a current affairs kind of commentary show. So like, uh, kind of deeper dives into news headlines, things like that. Um, yeah, we've got three episodes out. Uh, we're recording the fourth one after I'm done here with you guys. And yeah, available on all podcast players. Nice, man. It's been, it's been fun. It's been fun. And um, you are... You, That's awesome. Uh, but I, since we haven't been properly introduced before, you were in... You studied also in Mount Royal like us too, right? Yes. So broadcast media uh, class of 2020. Ooh, nice. So you, you, graduated, you graduated already. Yep. Uh, in April. Congratulations, man. Thanks. <laughs> nice. Wow. I haven't seen Ryan since March, probably. <laughs> yeah. I think we were together the last day that we even had class. We probably were, man. Lo- that lockdown kind of <laughs> snuck up on us. We're, didn't we have a presentation on the last day? Like we were presenting our crime, our crime thing? Yeah, that was the last time we saw each other. Yeah. Seven months ago. That. No more going into class yeah oh my goodness that was i didn't well i had a feeling kind of i was kind of worried about it but i just couldn't expect this honestly seven months later who could have expected this but no like yeah it seemed sketchy but i didn't think it was going to be like immediately don't come into school stay home like we went into lockdown like in march there so yeah that was friday and then we went home and we found out that yeah indefinitely canceled so that was that was interesting but what can you do yeah uh what can you do is right <laughs> having having also watched both of your of your films uh east with both with voices are there aside from your work on podcasts is there are there any other you know future films you're planning as well well uh 
with Westwood Voices, it's mostly Dane's project, but I think we've both kind of talked about uh, potentially doing a third one. I have some ideas. I haven't actually put pen to paper in terms of a script or anything, but I, I've scouted a location and I have kind of the opening three or four scenes in my head. And I, yeah, I'd love to do that. That'd be a lot of fun. And then I don't know if it's a trilogy and it's over, if it's more of a, a web series or a longer series, but I think there's definitely uh, more to tell in regards to those characters. So. Oh, that's exciting to hear. I, I can't wait to just make films again because it's been hard this, the last seven months to even have like the means to do it. So I'm just I'm just waiting to create something again. So that sounds amazing. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could get that vaccine out so we can meet up and stuff. Like the only mm -hmm. thing I've been really able to do is um, more of the photography stuff or just editing, not really getting together with groups or doing anything collaborative like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, same here. It's it's been too hard. Like, I mean, just the logistical planning around it. It's too it's too complicated these days. So, I mean, it's not impossible, but it is. Yeah. I don't know. Going into winter, I don't know how much easier it can even be. So, hopefully, hopefully, we're able to like have groups again in the near future because that would be that'd be amazing. I know some people have been doing kind of like a like quarantine film festivals or things where mm -hmm. they like write, direct, and shoot movies all in their house in just like 24 hours and they kind of compete on YouTube. But um, mm -hmm. I haven't really wanted to do that myself because I don't know if that's really my filmmaking style. I'm more of a script rewrites, getting together with people, shooting off like outside of your own house and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah also it comes down to i guess whether you have like the home setup like i don't really have the well not until recently i didn't have a home setup to even edit until probably two months ago so that was the other thing is having to invest in all of the new software new equipment new computer so that took me a while to be able to do that so that was just a whirlwind the last six months after once we couldn't use the um the spaces at Mount Royal anymore that was a big big issue are you for guys me. do you guys still have like remote access to the adobe suite uh for now i do yeah mm -hmm. you cut me off <laughs> I, I, had it, I had it for a while but uh, i don't have it anymore <laughs> i just got not exactly but i just got the software needed like you know um, audition and premiere pro but that's about it so Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I think. Well, I, I'm still at Mount Royal for another. Well, until April probably ne of next year. So still, still there, but it's different. It's definitely different. I miss the. I miss the actual editing spaces quite a bit because they. Yeah, they're extremely valuable. Yeah. It makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah, I wish I. I wish I had taken even more advantage of them uh, when I was still there. Like obviously for the projects and everything I was using them for, but it would have been um, nice to have done some more of my like photo editing or my, my personal projects just because mm -hmm. the monitors are so like color true and the backdrop and everything that we have is a great setup there. And at home, it's like mm -hmm. kind of have like a, a pretty dated monitor. I don't know if it's color accurate and it's not as good. Got to work with what you have, I guess, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the new updates at the school were amazing, like the DaVinci Resolve that um, our professors just installed. 
I wish I had more time with that because it's so good. Yeah, I'm almost so. uh, I'm almost jealous because I hear yeah. So the Da Vinci we only got when in my last year, so I wasn't really able to use it much. And now we have I hear there's going to be a like a podcasting hub and like a new podcast professor is coming in. Wow, I think um, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, Cat posted it on our Facebook group. So whoever whoever's still there, you guys take advantage. Yeah, you're, you're lucky, Nick. You'll enjoy the next few years. <laughs> yeah, like I, we were in. We knew that we wanted to be in broadcasting, so we got in right away. But there is some drawbacks with being like the first people in the program, like the guinea pigs, a little bit, because like we didn't even have Gareth until our last year as well. And I was just thinking about him. Uh, you guys should almost get him on on Sin City as well. He's he's got a lot of interesting things to say. Big yeah, horror guy as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Sure. Great idea. Yeah, we we should. And he, um, he. I think he made one of. I think his first film was a horror film, like his Teddy Bear Man. <laughs> yeah. So he loves the genre. Yeah. Definitely work. Like. Yeah. That's good stuff. I miss. I just. Oh yeah, definitely next year, 2021 or whenever. Are we booked out until 2021 now? Uh, how about maybe forever? We're gonna do this forever. <laughs> we have that many people waiting. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Oh wow, that's amazing. We're on to you, Dean. Like, how's the guests? You doing? Like you know, with all your projects, surfing in the dark, work as well. All that going. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm just. I'm trying to find time for it because I'm. I'm really busy these days with school. I'm full course load, um, basically working full time right now. So it's just finding time to even get to my creative stuff. So it is coming, but it's very, it's, it comes in like intervals where I have time to actually focus on it. And I just have to get over this hump, I think. And then probably by winter break or by, I don't know, maybe the summer I'll have way, way more time, but it's hard being in school and working is is challenging to even get to your creative stuff but it's it's always there it's always there waiting but yeah i feel the same way and i just want to say dane like uh, your instagram game has been consistently fire so even if even if you haven't been able to work on anything bigger i'm loving all the shots that you're putting up coming from you man thank you so much that's so nice yeah, you, you always capture uh, like the perfect lighting onto buildings and stuff like it's like you must you must always be out walking at like sunset <laughs> oh thanks so much yeah like that's that's like the least you can do sometimes is just go through your gallery and just you know, there, I have so many photos, so that's that's really fun for me. If I if I'm not doing anything active, like at least I can look at old stuff, and that's that gets you by. And mm -hmm. uh, same same for YouTube guys. You guys have been posting such good stuff, and I'm like always excited to see. I get like notifications on my phone when one of you posts for some reason. Oh, I yeah? think it's because I like your stuff so much <laughs> that it comes up like Nick Manessis or Ryan Robinson has shared a post. So I have you guys like on my radar all the time. Well, I shouldn't say it like that. I'm not like, it's just like, I think the app just for some reason, <laughs> just is like notified. Social, social dilemma, man. The algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> it knows who, uh, it knows who I want to see, uh, whose work I want to see. So that's interesting. But yeah. I'm not complaining. Should, but... <laughs> uh, check out later today. I'm going to put up, uh, I've done kind of a Halloween shoot a little bit with um, oh. uh, some long exposures where I made the opacity of the, uh, the subjects in the picture kind of, uh, faded so you can see the background through them and i took them in a, in a graveyard so i'm going to put up like a like a ghost in the graveyard set later today oh wow 
<laughs> but just a, bit cool. of a, just a little bit of a Halloween project just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love your uh, that one shoot you did. Probably I don't know when it was, but you were in, you were at sunset. I think it was you and your wife. You were standing outside of the the car with um, just like the amazing sunset behind you guys and the lighting. It was. That was like straight out of a movie. That was amazing. Yeah, I was lucky actually because um, as like a graduation gift, my parents got me a new lens and I haven't really had uh, anything with a wide enough aperture to do any kind of bokeh work as much as I would like to. But that those are like the, some of the first shots I took with the new lens. Um, yeah, w- mm. even just f2.8, you can get quite nice bokeh with. But before I kind of, my best lens was like a 5.6. Nice, Yeah. Wow, I, it's it's amazing. I can't wait to see like your next batch of photos because it's it's really exciting. Yeah, I'm trying to like put more. Uh, um, I don't know. I'm trying to post more consistently because I, I haven't really been the best at that. Yeah, harder than it sounds to honestly like have a photo ready every day or every second mm-hmm. day. That's it's challenging. Like, but it's good. It's it's good just to force yourself to post something because it's yeah. it's it's a form of you know it, it it just fulfills i think that creative spark that you have sometimes so mm-hmm. i've been kind of I, I i've been kind of streamlining my workflow so now it's not such like uh now it's not so difficult kind of to get from shooting to editing to posting now it's a little bit easier so so yeah mm-hmm. that, that's kind of what i want to um, do a bit more in the next couple months here absolutely oh good stuff yeah and have you been watching lots of movies recently i have been uh, averaging like one to two a week i haven't been crushing too many but um i've seen i've seen some good ones and i yeah i had to my list for the horror movies was so big i had to like had to take five and just put them into honorable mentions <laughs> also um what are some you know some horror films that you would re- recently watch by the way that you, you still have in free time by the way i recently rewatched um the faculty i don't know if you guys have ever seen that but that's one of my favorites and then i yeah. i've a lot of them have been rewatches. Like I rewatched Scream, rewatched um, I Know What You Did Last Summer, just a few of those like 90s classic ones. Nice. <laughs> I haven't heard of The Faculty, no. Well, um, uh, it, it almost made my list. I had to push it to the honorable mentions, but it's it's very close to being on there. I would put it as like number 11. It's, it's, a, it's got Frodo, Elijah Wood. It's, um, it has Jon Stewart, the talk show host. No as way. Oh, yeah, as an actor, that's, that's I, it might be cool. one of his one of his only roles. It has um, <laughs> a lot of big names from kind of the '90s. Uh, what's that guy? Josh um, Josh Hartnett or Harnett? Mm-hmm. He's like from Thirty Days of Night and a few of those other ones. And, and um, yeah, it's got it's got a cast of like recognizable faces. It's a it's a comedy mm-hmm. horror comedy written by Kevin Williamson from uh, Scream and Scream. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's, it's that kind of style, that kind of vibe. It's a invasion uh, of the body snatchers kind of take. So is it like meta? It's a full of meta horror. So it's not quite as meta as Scream, but it's probably up there. And it's yeah. So the faculty they get, uh, in, like you know, the aliens come and they snatch bodies with the teaching faculty at a high school, and only this group of students knows what's going on. That's the story. <laughs> How about you, Dane? Like, what are some you know some scary movies that you've watched recently? I know you've been taking the horror movie class right now, so it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm lucky because yeah, that's I horror horror genre. The horror genre isn't like necessarily my 
my favorite of all time, but it's it's one of my favorites. But I've still I've, I've missed out on so many um, classics. So this this uh, class is really helping me like watch the things that I've missed out on for the longest time. So this is great. Like I I I'm kind of I'm I'm always kind of into like the horror that kind of is um, overlaps with other genres. You know, there's elements of romance or or sci-fi or whatever i'm not really like the most traditionalist in the sense of horror but this is interesting to get get into these like very iconic horror movies finally which i really i'm glad i've i'm, I'm able to now which is great mm-hmm. so for example like the texas chainsaw massacre i watched just a month ago for the first time in my life and you know i heard there's the mythos around it and it was it's pretty interesting totally different from what i was expecting honestly like much more of a um i think much deeper like 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 smarter than i thought it'd be you know i thought it'd just be like this slasher movie with lots of screaming but it was actually a very like well done movie so i was i was impressed by that yeah that, that tobe tobe hooper i don't know if it's toby or tobe but um he did that one and he's definitely mm. kind of stands out it's not just a hack and slash mm-hmm. a little bit more substance with that one at least I, definitely the well, same yeah. cannot be said for the rest of that franchise <laughs> yeah like style it feels like it's a documentary when you watch it the original almost like a snuff film kind of as well mm-hmm. that's that what you call that art, art house feel to it yeah there's, there's it's very stylish actually like i was surprised like um great cinematography like it looks really good for, for its time and yeah it does not it doesn't seem like this cheap film like i was expecting once you actually watch it so that that was really a good surprise um also the exorcist i just recently saw for the first Mm -hmm. time which was interesting because i was scared of that movie for many years of my life even though i'd never seen it like i was just scared of the the girl in it like it's she is scary (laughs) terrifying (laughs) so i just never i i never watched it because i was i was up for nights as a kid just because i saw the cover of even like the new one at rogers video throughout like the 2000s i was terrified of it or like the scary the scary maze game if you guys remember that oh god oh god yes that's that definitely traumatized me as a kid um so i just never got around to it because i was just it's just ingrained in me to be scared of this movie but i finally watched it It wasn't as bad as i thought it would be and i i slept fine afterwards actually like i realized it's like a pretty happy ending but i was expecting it to be much it's still scary but i was expecting it to like be traumatizing but it wasn't right okay yeah it was all right once you're an adult i think it's okay (laughs) but one I recently watched, and I and it's still on my mind. I believe you guys are familiar with *The Fly* by David Cronenberg. Yes. I actually rewatched that uh, two nights ago. That one, oh, wow. <laughs> just just by coincidence. Yeah. Fair warning. Uh, not good old this- Jeff Goldblum. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair warning. Do not watch this movie with a bad stomach. Oh no. No no. <laughs> God. Huh? So did you watch it? By the way, Dane. The... I, I know of the fly, but I haven't seen it actually. I haven't watched it, but I know I know about it. I've seen scenes from it. <laughs> like, yeah, that's as far as I know. That's like the uh, first one that David Cronenberg like. Like, I don't know if that's the one where he kind of broke out as the body horror guy, or if it's the one where he was like, okay, this is the king of body horror. But in those early days, kind of um, Videodrome was his first film, and that had kind of a lot of those body horror elements. But it wasn't until um, The Fly when, 
you're actually seeing the guy's head bust open and then underneath is a fly that you really mm-hmm. that you really see how much he puts into the special effects oh yeah mm-hmm. the effects were like a tier like the best i've ever seen actually i just have to let my dog out i'm worried she'll be on the floor <laughs> <laughs> no worries take your time no worries yeah i really miss those days because you know back when they actually use practical effects instead of cgi like yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. I I still need to see it fully. Like I I feel bad. I, a lot of movies I still haven't gone to. I'm surprised. I highly recommend this one. And warning, please don't eat anything before you watch this movie. Thank you. <laughs> and, and at the same time, I watched a film with a similar concept to The Fly. I believe you guys also heard of The Thing by John Carpenter. Yes. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, the thing, that's a big one for me. I actually ended up writing like a 15-page paper on that in my uh, film studies class. So mm-hmm. I feel attached to that that movie quite a lot. And then, of course, John Carpenter is the other body horror guy, and the thing is his his standout version of that. But great film. Great film. Oh, yeah. And again, top, top-notch special effects, too. Of course. I, yeah, I have that one at number four on my list, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think, yeah, number four. <laughs> and yeah, like, what was, what was your guys's uh, first first intro to horror? Like the first horror film you remember watching? Uh, let's start with you, Ryan. Okay, um, this one's actually number ten in my list, so it's a good way to kickstart things. But M Night Shyamalan's uh, Sixth Sense. That was the first yeah. horror movie I, I ever saw, and I remember my parents kind of having like a discussion over whether I was like should be old enough to watch it or not. Probably I wasn't old enough because I do remember that one being a little traumatizing. I couldn't like <laughs> I couldn't go to the bathroom in the middle of the night without being scared of like what ghosts I might find in the hallway. <laughs> um, probably still his best movie. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Before it all went, yeah. Yeah, I think we all know where that movie is. <laughs> How about you, Dane? What's the first one from your mm-hmm. movie? That's a great. That's a great question. Honestly, hmm. I don't know. Um, that's a really good question. I don't remember, but maybe um, it could have honestly been an M Night Shyamalan film as well, mm-hmm. because he was just really big at that time, like when we were growing up. So I think it it could have been like Signs or something. Or maybe, um, hmm. was it the village? Or even the village? Yeah, that that was like '04. So, that, and that was like enough for a kid to watch and not be like, it's not like super scary, but it is scary. But I, I don't know. My I think my parents tried to keep me away from horror movies, but I I don't even know because really. I still watch some scary stuff, but I can't remember. Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> Maybe it could have even been like, like Scream or something. Just, just like even it being on TV and me accidentally watching it, um, because that was that was a big movie at the time. And, but I think I think I probably saw some horror movies, but it was just like a scene or two, and then I got freaked out, and I knew I shouldn't have been watching this, so I switched it. So it probably wasn't until I was like a preteen or teenager that I actually watched a full proper horror film but how about you <laughs> well first off about M. Night Shyamalan like his one of his films like The Last Airbender that actually is a horror movie but for <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> my first intro to horror, which is mentioned by Yuding, would have to be Scream. I first watched that film when I was 11 years old, and God, it's it sold me right into the genre. And not just that, it even introduced me to all these other horror films because you know how they mention all these classic 80s films, and I knew, like, yeah, this was a perfect intro for me. It's funny, and it's also a great satire of all the horrors from the 80s. Definitely a good recommendation for this season. That is true. Yeah. When I rewatched that um, the other night, I, I couldn't get over how actually dark the ending is. Like, um, just when they're in the kitchen and they're stabbing each other, it's brutal. Absolutely, yeah. And when I, I'm sorry, are you going to say something? Um, are we going to say something, Ryan? Oh, no, no, go ahead. Right. Um, so yeah, like, and yeah, also Scream was a really like a good savior for horror because the '90s was when the slasher genre was starting to really die. So, but Scream really saved the slasher genre during that time. Yeah, it gave it a new new life, new lease on life for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like that's I've heard in this documentary advertisement that we love horror but horror doesn't like us like i guess that's really a representation of that like i i i still like people just love being scared i say like people when people before when people kept asking me why do you love horror movies so much i just i really didn't know the answer like there was just something about it that clicked like what is it about you guys that you know just clicks for you from this genre Mm. Well, for me, for me, it was like um, it, was, it was my bread and butter growing up. Like horror was my favorite genre when I was a kid. I I, I like it less now. Like now, I, now I enjoy other genres more. But growing up, I don't know. It was just because like it was a little bit out there. Like it was, you know, more R-rated than I should have been allowed to watch. And so I liked all those elements. And uh, I, I guess I just liked being scared. Actually, like I had fun <laughs> getting scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think for me probably similar and also um i guess i i really you have to appreciate the some of this like the special effects the, the makeup the you know it's usually some good setting like the good horror movies have some good setting some some fairly plausible plot at times and then it's I guess it's it's being attracted to like the the thing that you know scares you at the end of the day like you you shouldn't you shouldn't probably watch it if you're going to be worried about walking home at night or like stuff that makes your life more difficult but it's sort of like addiction to like oh this is like an adrenaline rush so mm-hmm, definitely probably that that idea but it's still it's still I wouldn't say I'm like a huge, huge, huge expert or fan in the genre, but I just like I de- some of my favorite movies are definitely horror movies. But I don't, I wouldn't say like I know every horror movie or like I've, uh, I don't know. But some of my favorites are in the horror genre, so that's that's what's interesting for me too. Yeah, yeah. My, it's also a bit of bit of both from both, both genres. I really love being scared, really mm. effects as well. But from the words of 
the great king of horror, Stephen King, like the the strength of a story relies solely on the strength of its villain. And me personally, mm-hmm. as a huge fan, I, I usually prefer the villains over the heroes. And I find the villains in horror to be, you know, very like intriguing, very, you know, creative, inventive, like Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, and of course the one right behind me, Michael Myers. <laughs> he, he wants to say hi to you, but he's not much of a talker. So <laughs> oh, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, no, no. You, you go first. You go first. Oh, I, I was also going to say uh, what, what you kind of realize also when you grow up and you become an adult too is like how a lot of horror movies have uh, very, very interesting like social commentary on Absolutely. Absolutely. social issues on, you know, just society and its, and its problems. So that's something that I appreciate more as an adult is like looking at it as that like, what are they trying to say by this? Who are they trying to criticize or what are they trying to criticize? And so that, that is actually something I really appreciate about the genre. And then also like the overlapping, like I said, like there's horror elements in so many movies that aren't horror movies, but they've taken inspiration from horror movies. Like you could say drive is a, one of my favorite films. It's a, it's an action art house drama film, but there's elements of horror throughout that you can tell, like Nicholas Winding Refn is a huge fan of horror movies, but um, there's nothing about it that's like a horror, but you can just see how it's influenced every other genre in, in different ways. So that's really, absolutely really cool. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so much to love about the genre and it's constantly evolving. And that's what's really interesting. Like the horror movies today are more and more original. So oh, yeah. I, can't see- mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what happens. Definitely. Like you said, how it's social commentary, like Get Out is a perfect example of this. Like Get Out is not just it's not just a horror movie, but it's also a great social commentary on race and class discrimination. And so is us as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's probably why Get Out was such like a uh, uh, industry darling was because of it's just scalpel precise social commentary. Like it was <laughs> nothing yeah, you can't look past that. Oh, yeah. I just recently saw Us for the first time, yeah, just like two months ago, and that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. And that wasn't even like fully, to me, a horror film, but well, it was, it was, but there was, I don't know, it's so different from what you're expecting. Like, it's just, this is not what you're, what you think of when you think of a horror film. So that's what's so interesting is that it's, there's a lot of fresh new ideas and it's, it keeps getting better in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I was, I was blown away when I saw that movie. Like, I watched Us in theaters and I, I, I was really happy to see like how much better it was from a filmmaking perspective than Get Out because it shows how much Jordan Peele is like obviously improving. And I think in many ways it's a better film. Um, Mm. Maybe it's not like as maybe that doesn't have the rewatchability of Get Out or I think overall people seem to like Get Out more, but I'm on team us if we're voting. (laughs) I think I would be too at this point. Yeah. I love that shot. I love that shot where they're uh, zoomed in on all the rabbits in cages and they have that high violin music and it's just like the most excruciatingly slow pan out on just all the rabbits in cages. The intro. Yeah. Yep. Great intro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots took... of... Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, it's so hard. Sorry. Uh, I'll just quickly. Sorry, Nick. Um, it's it's uh, one of those movies that it took me like a few days to digest and then I then I loved it, but it was it was hard to know what to think at the end. But then it once I realized what the movie was getting at, I was like, Oh, okay. 
that was really good, but it took me a few days to really love it. But <laughs> I, I, I think I felt, felt the same way. A bit of a slow digest on that one. <laughs> Lots of symbols. Both of his films, like the rabbits, the golden scissors, the, the color red, yeah, like really well done. Like Jordan Peele, and this is actually, and these are, that was his very first film, really, and he already got so many Oscar nods, box office success, and also. <laughs> yeah, in terms of a first film, it really is uh, quite outstanding. A movie I watched recently that was also a directorial debut. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one, but Dave Franco uh, recently direct, wrote and directed a movie. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a horror flick. It's called The Rental. It's pretty good. It's it's by no means it's by no means Jordan Peele level, but I, I enjoyed it. It's uh, it's got Alison Brie, who that's actually his wife. Um, she's from community and a few other things but the story mm-hmm. there is that you go to an airbnb and there's secret cameras everywhere and they're spying on you when you rent when you rent out airbnbs um that's kind of the whole thing it's like just you know a 90 minute by the book thing it didn't push uh, it didn't break any new ground but i thought it didn't have really any glaring mistakes either so keep an eye on dave franco's career as well in terms of uh, being behind the camera Wow, that's in- that's interesting. It is, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And two things: one, would David Franco be related to James Franco? Yes, younger brother. <laughs> and the other, yeah. like about Jordan Peele, like really, like he really good that he's uh, you know he's very versatile. Like he's a comedian who's best known for appearing at SNL, and he managed to direct a really great horror film. Like the guy can do both comedy and horror at the same time. Now that's just ten. Mm-hmm. They're almost two sides of the same coin. It's it's kind of like the tragedy, comedy and tragedy in ancient Greek uh, theater. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you go ahead, Nick. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of I've realized too with horror movies is that some of the best ones you actually you can't help but laugh at. Like they have really good, um, really good scenes. Like for example. Uh, one of my favorites on my list, I'm not going to say where, but the lighthouse, like I was laughing throughout most of the lighthouse, even though it wasn't meant to be funny, but it's just the characters, like, they, like the dynamics between them and the situation and just, it's hard not to laugh at some of these. Um, and I think they intend, they intended to be funny at times because you need that relief and, and that's what makes it scarier. But I think, um, it's like the unintended, uh, result of a lot of horror movies is that they are there are some really funny moments throughout so uh, most of my top 10 yeah i would say that there's some element of comedy in all of them yeah. most well, of them is, not all what is number 10 on your list i'm excited to get, hear you guys' lists <laughs> we can get started on the the list right now because i think we can that'll be a long process all right well, well my, no, my number 10 is the sixth sense and it's kind of on there just because uh, it was the first one i saw and it, and it is scary mm-hmm. but what's yours dane Ooh, so I have, I have a pretty much a straight up comedy actually. Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> I That's love one, that movie. It's one of my favorites, and I I just put that in at the last minute because I was like, that's that's a call. That's not. That's a horror is what I meant to say. That is a horror technically, even though it's more of a comedy. But it's it's so good. It's an amazing film. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead is one of my favorite movies of all time. I didn't. Oh, I didn't make it onto this list, but it's on my list of just like all movies. <laughs> oh yeah, it's 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 so nostalgic to watch it because it's from that era where you know um, 
Simon Pegg, just so many good movies of his and it's a feel good movie. Like it's, it's, there's so much disgusting things in the movie, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny. Like it's, it's meant to be funny. It's not meant to be scary, but there is, there is some element of being scared in it too, which is great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love like everything about that movie. It's perfect. Right? It's a trilogy. Yeah, unrelated the sequels, but uh, the same like thematic elements. Mm-hmm. The, the other two are good as well, but I don't think anything could be Shaun of the Dead. Uh, yeah. So yeah. My uh, number ten would it go to Suspiria by Dario Argento. Love it. Just everything about it. Like, where do I even begin? Good choice, man. Good choice. I love. First off, I love the the color. Like, wow, it was fantastic. It it's like almost gives the audience like a full sense of security. They think, oh, it's all colorful. That means you're safe, right? Wrong. (laughs) And the the music, God, the music by Goblin is is that iconic. Like, it still is stuck in my head, and it still is really like. Mm-hmm. I, I played some of that soundtrack on synesthesia actually because it's that good it's like you want to revisit it in other mediums um, you mean the, the, the main theme you got the main theme like you know the where they say witch in the Indonesia yeah yeah the main thanks uh, the main theme song there um, and then there's also a, I think a remix version with like electric guitars and like they perform it in concerts sometimes but uh, yeah I think I I think I had the remix version on on the show. Mm. And and yeah, like Suspiria, like I love how it also it combines pretty much all the elements of horror. Like it's one part slasher, one part supernatural and occult, and there are there are just some just a bit bits of humor in it as well. Like you know to keep to lighten the mood as well. But yeah, it's really really love the film. It's beautifully shot, and yeah. Probably, I think this is like Dario Argento. He directed many these um, giallos, I believe they're called. But I think Suspiria has got to be, you know, the, his most well-known work, really. For that, I give it. Did either of you see the remake of that of Suspiria? I didn't watch it, but I think recently there was one. Uh, Not yet. <laughs> it's probably bad. <laughs> How can you be an original like that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but- Sorry, <laughs> oh, sorry. The the big draw for me with that one is that um, Tom York did the soundtrack, and it's an amazing soundtrack. The um, Suspiria the album that he put out for it is amazing. Oh wow! So that's something realize. that's yeah. And I think uh, hmm, yeah, he did the entire score, so that's really interesting because that one is of my all time favorite artists. I should yeah, say it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big draw for me to watch it, but I haven't watched it yet. But um, I've seen Suspiria for for the first time this year and i've seen it twice since then but yeah it's it was really good it actually was the movie that uh prompted me to get uh rabies vaccine back in may or june because the the bat scene i was really i was watching it late at night and i was just i saw the bat scene i was like bats are really gross and scary and then i i just googled like bats and rabies and it freaked me out so like within a week i got my rabies vaccination from that movie so I spend a lot of money to get the vaccinations, but <laughs> Suspiria is to is to blame for that, honestly. Well, we also do have quite a few bats here too, so it's not even a bad move. I yeah. see them flitting around at night. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're cute. I shouldn't say they're gross. They're actually cute, but they're just very dangerous. Like they, like rabies will kill you. So that really freaked me out. So, 
Yeah, if I you had to do it. You want to get rid of that, of any bats around your house? Just bring in some clowns, because you know how bats hate jokers a lot. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. And, so yeah, and about Suspiria, um, like just the the remake. By the way, it's not. Don't let it fool you. It's not really the one I hear anyway. It's not a shot for shot remake. It's mostly an unoriginal mm-hmm. story, like with new characters, and yeah, it's just it's something mm-hmm. that makes I've heard it's darker too. Like it's it's not as like beautiful in terms of like color. It's much more like it's like duller but darker color. Like sort of more gritty from what I've heard. Is that is that right? Do you think Nick? That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not as neon lit or not well, not as like what what would you how would you describe this like Suspiria's cinematography because like. It's interesting. I did a, like a recent assignment on this. How the color is is really symbolic throughout the movie. Like w- every time there's blue in the scene, it uh, it indicates something, and every time there's red in the scene, it indicates something. I, I don't want to spoil it for people if they haven't seen it, but every scene, like the color, has a meaning. But well, yeah, and you're absolutely right. Like the cinematography, really, it's good and telling the story like it's it's like giving a warning to cue the audience uh, that something is going to happen like mm-hmm. we mentioned red like we usually associate red with like anger rage something violent so whenever there's red in the background you know why something horrific is about to occur exactly well done mm-hmm. yeah yeah, like both, it's basically, I describe the cinematography of Suspiria, the original one, to be like a, a fun house of hell, is what I call it, really. Because mm-hmm. colors really, they fool the audience, really. Like that bright, all that's bright is not always good. So, it's yeah, true. It's really, but yeah, Suspiria yeah. is beautiful and haunting at the exact same time. And that's mm-hmm. what I see the place here on my list, on my top 10. Nice. Great choice. That almost made mine. Oh, yeah, How about you? I'm sorry. You oh, oh, no, no. I was, was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Ryan's number nine. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so for my number nine, this was kind of an outside-the-box choice, but I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called uh, – well, there's multiple – adaptions but it's from the Stephen King book Salem's Lot but the specific adaption that's my number nine is the one with uh, Rob Lowe and Donald Sutherland I think it's maybe 04 as well but yeah that's one that really really scared me as a kid um scared me so much that like I went on to actually read the book because I was like you know damn that's a good story (laughs) it's uh it's a vampire flick where um, Rob Lowe's character he he travels back to his hometown because he has like unresolved psychological issues in regards to it but in going back he discovers that his hometown is more evil than he ever realized mm, wow it's, that's that's one where definitely like the setting is a character you know and there's like a haunted house on the hill that overlooks the whole town and that haunted house has had like so many bad things happen there that it's pretty much just a black mark on on everyone in the village and the village is called salem's lots that's the whole naming mm. convention there Anyway, you know what? It's kind of like a no-name guy, but interestingly, Tobe Hooper from Texas Chainsaw Massacre directed an earlier adaption from like 78 or something like that. I've never seen that one, but it's probably good as well. Mm, nice. I'm looking it up now. It looks very, wow, it looks very scary. 
it's good like maybe it probably wouldn't scare me as much now um but i think the atmosphere is good in that one uh it was directed by michael solomon i don't really know who he is mm-hmm. not too familiar but yeah. i'm looking forward to maybe finding this in the near future oh he was yeah. the cinematographer on the abyss that uh, james cameron one looks like he does a lot of cinematography band of brothers rome mm. things like that but uh yeah nice. it's it's a good flick it's it's good for the season nice. okay num- number nines for you guys <laughs> for me um number nine i've got it follows from what year was that that was like 2014 2014 oh it's a surprising movie i didn't expect much from it i just thought okay the cover looks good on netflix a few years ago i watched it i like the neon look the stylish um cinematography from what i could tell and i watched it and i was like okay this is really this was this was different from what i was expecting and um never seen anything like it so that was great and it really um it's not necessarily scary even it's just i find it to be really just beautiful the cinematography and the the story is interesting enough and i like the the symbolism in it of um basically um i guess it's a metaphor for um, STDs essentially. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> it is. It's really good, yeah. and it's totally something fresh. So that was really right. a surprising one. And the uh, director, um, you you first, right? I just wanted to say I don't know if you guys have ever seen this channel on YouTube. Um, it's called the Film Theorists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's it's so funny. The amount of research that guy does is unbelievable. But he he's been doing like horror movie ones specifically, and he did a video on It Follows where he like calculated um, like where you would have to work in relation to your home to always stay ahead of the creature from It Follows because of it's oh, like wow. based on its walking based on its walking speed. It's just hilarious. It's like <laughs> you have to work like at least 36 kilometers away from your house to be able to do a full eight hour shift and then drive back home. And all day the creature walks to your workplace, you drive home and then you have an eight hour section to like sleep before it gets to your house before you leave for work again. And he like crunched all the numbers, did all the math. It It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And what's shocking is the behind the scene behind it because the director, uh, David Robert Mitchell, he based this story on a dream he had when he was in high school where he was doing his daily routine and there was this child and no matter where he went, the child kept following him wherever he went. So that's where he based it. Mm. Scary. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that what Ryan was saying too, like that that just sounds so like such a miserable existence to have to worry about. <laughs> still it's having possible to, though. Still having video, to go to work. <laughs> I think the video is called How to Beat the Creature from It Follows. <laughs> Can you imagine? I guess I guess today you almost have to think as much with the virus just being concerned about everything. Can you imagine if you also had someone following you at the same time? Like, what more do people need in their lives? Like, oh, man. That's crazy. (laughs) Interesting to think about, though. (laughs) What about you, Nick? My number nine would have to go to The Exorcist. That is a classic in every sense of the word. Like, yeah, and, and all that movie, like, 
people back in 1973 people were not ready they didn't know what to expect when they watched this movie like some fainted some even barfed in the theater and others left and they even recommend you bring barf bags with this movie <laughs> yeah it's great marketing <laughs> and with the bear she was the actress who played the, the girl reagan she was fantastic in this role really like imagine having and she was very young at that time like imagine you having to play someone that cusses a lot on screen at only 12 years old and has to play what's basically the devil like mm-hmm. god imagine well, and because it was such an original film too she couldn't have gotten any inspiration from any past performances like she had to basically do it all herself so it's another mark mm-hmm. on how how good the performance was yeah I, I heard that she actually broke her spine in that scene where she was like getting thrown above the bed like she actually Nasty. broke part of her spine because and she was actually like in pain and that's what she was screaming about but yeah, I think it was a pretty traumatizing experience for someone of that age, any age, but... It's probably some uh, ethical concerns with that one, but at the oh, end of yeah. the day, yeah, uh, that movie will never be forgotten. No. And that scene where they were doing the exorcism, like, the director, he intentionally, like, lowered the temperature in the bedroom. He, he put it on a freezing temperature so that the actors could get a genuine reaction. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and this film is believed to be cursed because one of the actors I heard died on set from the flu. Oh no! Yeah, all right, because the room was too cold. <laughs> Cut yeah. <the> wow. flu. <laughs> Ooh. Exactly. Jeez, that's that's not good. Yeah, wow. Huh. Haunted movie in a way. Uh, there's like so many signature scenes, like The Exorcism, mm-hmm. the projectile vomiting. Then there's the, the crucifix. Exactly. Oh God, I will never. That was so. <laughs> and the, the head twist, as well. The, and that mm. surgery scene. Yeah. One fun fact: that surgery scene. The guy who was doing the surgery on Reagan when she was at the hospital. I just read this was actually a, a convict, really, an escaped convict, and he during that scene, but nobody knew until filming wrapped up. Oh wow. wow. <laughs> no background checks on that? Wow. Yikes. <laughs> that is scary. Different time back then, I guess. <laughs> the perfect place for an escaped comic to hide is on a set. Exactly. Like this film has literally scarred me at a very young age, but is that scarring why it has earned my place on this list, ironically. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Moving on to number eight. Uh, okay, so my number eight, I don't know, this could definitely be on your guys' list as well, but it's just the original Halloween, 1978's Halloween. Um, why that's on my list is because I've probably re-watched it like maybe an obscene amount of times like it's always on every year so i always see it and i wrote a a horror screenplay called brick burn but it features like a lot of the same elements from john carpenter's original a little bit of just being stalked by a man in a mask who kind of does strange things like standing in hedges and isn't really threatening but he's watching you and so i took a lot of elements from that is is a big inspiration so that's why it's my number eight Nice. I hear Michael is happy that you mentioned his movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
Nice choice. Wow. Just like the quintessential classic horror movie. Yeah, it's got to be on there. It's got to be. You know, it's just, it's, it's inspired so much from so many uh, other works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. Um, for my number eight, I've got uh, The Silence of the Lambs, which I actually yes. haven't watched in a while, but it's still in my memory, even not having not seen it for a long time. Um, so much to say about that movie, but it's, uh, yeah, it's disturbing to say the least, but it's, it's very iconic and uh like i mean the the song what is it q lazarus is um goodbye horses like just that song if you were to listen to that song again today which you know it's on youtube you can um, of course uh it's just it just shivers your spine just listening to it like it's 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 a great song and it wasn't even really like I don't think it was intended. It wasn't made for the movie, but it was just it was just included in the movie, and it's just become like this iconic song for its time and place in the movie, and in one of the most disturbing parts of the film. But um, so much to say about that movie. But what what do you guys think of Silence of the Lambs? First off, let's get, of course, Anthony Hopkins's terrific performance as Hannibal Lecter like mm-hmm. can you can you believe it like the guy he's he only has 18 minutes of screen time and is it really only 18 yep that's right wow I I never knew that and just those minutes like he's probably the most memorable part of the film and Anthony Hopkins just won an Oscar for best actor in just limited screen time he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. right it's really yeah. amazing he can they like, cause so much you know so much terror despite being you know in a in a glass box most of the time it's amazing yeah how about that ending when he takes the guy's face off and then uses it to escape oh my god <laughs> it's just one of those movies that's just genuinely terrifying like even as an adult like it's just that is just purely scary and, and disturbing on so many levels it's just, it's almost unbelievable that they made this movie in the 90s. Like, it just seems like too, too dark almost, but. Yeah, you don't oh want to like that round. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, oh my goodness. But I, I was going to mention some random interesting trivia from it, actually, which is kind of scary. Well, not scary, but it's, it's spooky um, in, a, in, a, in a very unexpected way. But the, the, the singer of that famous song from a Q Lazarus, like her story behind after being like this, the artist of this famous song in the movie, her own life story is really interesting. How like she didn't really, I don't know if she really, I, I might be wrong, but I don't know if she really was famous before this movie. And then it, she became famous only for this song. And then like the song was immediately connotated with this really terrible scene in the movie. And so she became like a very like one night or what am I saying? Um, one hit wonder overnight sensation. And then she disappeared and no one knew about her for like 20 years. And I think it, it's only until recently that someone somewhere online has said they found out that maybe she's a bus driver in uh, Newark, New Jersey right oh, now, Wow! but her career never like went anywhere, even though her after that, even though her song was super, super popular. So it's this really kind of interesting story how she kind of disappeared and, the, just the, the like the context of this song in the movie and then this story about her real life it really freaked me out just just reading about her wikipedia because it's like i kind of feel bad for her because it's i don't know if that has something to do with it being famous because of this movie 
and like the connotation associated with this scene is really dark. So I, I have no idea, but really interesting trivia to look into. But um, I hope she's doing well because she's a great artist, and I wish she had better luck in her career. That's all I can say. But classic, classic movie, and so many memories to to think about with that movie. Oh, freaks yeah. me out still. <laughs> <laughs> a sense of sticker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some follow-up. I was improvised too way of life. That was improvised? Yeah. Oh, that was a lot of great trivia with that movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, like God, like, like Hannibal Lecter, like he's like he's genuinely terrifying like like if for a serious even though he's you know a serial killer who eats people like he's he talks to you as if he's as if he's your as if he's your best friend and having you over for a party and it's mm-hmm. like it's it's really like he's putting you in a false sense of security like act all polite and charming but there's just something like malicious intent in every word he speaks it's terrifying really yeah like you almost feel like okay this guy's nice and then you just know like don't trust this guy don't trust this guy but he's is very it's very deceptive or yeah deceiving and that's the i think that's the scariest thing about it yes oh, yeah yeah and, jo- and it's not just anthony hopkins but the other actors like uh jo- jodie foster who plays uh clarice starling was amazing as well mm-hmm. Ted Levine, who plays the the killer of Buffalo Bill. Oh God! Right, yeah. Mm. He gets overlooked in that movie. It's actually about him. <laughs> mm. Yeah, like it's really strange seeing Ted Levine play this character because I've watched this uh, TV show, A Monk, and he Ted Levine is uh, you know a police officer, like a police captain. So it was really strange him playing the opposite of that character here in Silent Lambs. Hmm. Rub the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> yeah, that's the scene I'm talking about with the Q Lazarus song. I think that's, uh, uh, it's just you can't separate the two. Almost like even though it's a great song, mm-hmm. it's just mm, I think it's around that time in the movie. But it's it's yeah, one of those movies. It just never leaves you once you've seen it <laughs> and also a special mention the first horror movie to ever win an oscar for best picture as well wow wow yeah yeah definitely deserves it and i guess that just leaves me for number eight number eight is actually your number nine dane it follows Wow. Some overlap. Nice. Before my number two favorite horror film, this one I consider it to be the scariest film I have ever seen. Like, it's just paranoia fuel incarnate. Like, never mm-hmm. has watching someone walk in a straight line been that scary. Like, Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> because the line is so straight and they're coming right for you. <laughs> I'm. That that scene with you know the the tall man like oh god yeah Jeez. why does he have to be so tall? That's <laughs> <laughs> scary. Exactly. Great choice. Yeah. Music as well. Uh, what was the name of the the guys who composed the music? I I had in my mind slightly like gold. Oh, I'm not sure about that actually. 
Oh, I remember a disaster piece. They were called. Oh yeah, disaster piece. Yeah, I've heard of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that scene where the the old lady is just walking. I hear it. That's when I first play. Jesus Christ! Like mm. bad mistake for me to watch this film in midnight while everyone was asleep. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I saw I saw it alone just by chance, and I was like, okay, let's do this. And yeah, it, it's scary, but I think it's I think it's more just um, I was really interested by the the style of it, and I got I got wrapped up in that. Just this is a really nice looking movie, and I really like the the music, so that helped me get through the scary parts. But yeah, it is pretty scary. <laughs> well done, really well done. And now we are now at number seven. Let's start with you, Ryan. Okay, so I've got another John Carpenter one for my number seven, but this one's uh, a little less known. But I think everyone should probably watch this if they're if they're into that kind of thing. But this one's called In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, yeah. I got many, many of my friends kept telling me I should watch this one. You should. If you haven't seen it, it, it would be a good one. It'd be a good one. It's um, it's basically based off of like a. It almost it almost seems like a real story, but it's kind of made up in the sense that there's like a Stephen King like figure in the story who is like a very prolific horror author. He's insanely famous, but he's gone missing. And so his publisher sends like kind of one of the uh, rookie publishers on his file to basically go look for him at his like mansion in new england um and the whole thing is kind of like a surrealist dream um and it actually is probably the first like truly lovecraftian film ever made it it really has the rip uh, in between dimensions and the mm. cesspool of writhing creatures coming out of it um so it's not it's not based off lovecraft or stephen king like it's an original script but it's it features heavily with those elements and it's got Sam Neill, great performance from Sam Neill. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just terrifying. It's it's almost around the time of Jurassic Park, so it's kind of in that era um, when Sam Neill was big in that movie. But uh, it's just very scary. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you'll have to see it. I don't want to spoil too much, but um, they've got some frightening, frightening highway scenes, a bit of Lost Highway vibes, uh, scary bicycles. Yeah, lots of symbolism. Very good film. I like to I like to watch that one around this time every year. Nice, man. Yeah, yeah, nice. we'll do for sure as well this this weekend for sure. And now it's your turn, Dane. Okay, so for number seven, I've got um, the film Creep from mm. two thousand fourteen. <laughs> um, one of those ones that you just you don't expect to like, and then you really like it in the end because um, it's it's very low budget. It's it's literally just two people, and um, it's seventy seven minutes long. It's incredibly short, but it's um, a Duplass Brothers film uh, or Duplass Brothers film, and um, Mark Duplass. Um, he's the main actor in it, and um, he him and his brother they make just really good. Uh, low budget movies just like yeah they are good i didn't realize they did creep um i'll have to see that i heard it was good i haven't seen it but i know the yeah. brothers yeah. yeah they're they're awesome they're really inspiring they just um they good. they're just make movies with what they've got and um they do it really really well and um yeah this movie was one of those ones i watched it alone and i probably shouldn't have but i wasn't like scared by it but it was disturbing it's very disturbing 
Um, but for the most part, it's a comedy right up until it takes a really dark turn right at the very end. And then you're like, oh, wow, this is really creepy. But for the most part, you're throughout it, you're just laughing. You're, you think the, the situation between these two characters is just really awkward. It's um, like a found footage movie. But it's really interesting like, how such a simple concept could be so effective and how minimal it is but it's it's really it's really an experience i think you, you'll either love it or you'll hate it but regardless it's an experience and i think um it's really stands out as like a memorable film in the horror genre for what it did as like an experimental type film so yeah i, I remember you listing it on your favorite horror film stuff the decade on our last yeah one. That's right. Yeah, I made it in top three of the decade. So of all time, top top ten, I would say. I would say, well, at least I'm for my favorite. I have to see that one. Yeah, I highly recommend it because you um, you might be if don't watch the trailer or anything, but just watch it. Just watch the movie and just go with it, and you'll okay. really. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> and. For me, as my number seven, I give this one to Scream. Nice. And for, for, for my ever watched, like, really it's scary, good, good balance of horror and comedy as well. And the fact that what I really, what really scared, scares, for, made it scary for me is the fact that it's mostly realism induced horror because the fact that it's not just some undead or guy or some creature it's like an actual human being wearing a mask that just wants to kill you like that that could actually happen and you know there have been plenty of home invasions in the 90s so this was really scary especially for that time and yeah like really really love the, the the dialogue the meta the meta humor like especially it really introduced me to all these classic horror films like halloween nightmare on elm street it's really, really well done. Definitely one of Wes Craven's best for sure as well. With yeah, other films. Yeah, I love that movie. Like, because I love horror movies and it's a commentary on other horror movies, it's like an instant classic. It's yeah. so funny, so good. Yeah, I love the whole series actually. I don't really like the TV show version. No. I, w I wasn't into that. It's terrible. <laughs> but I, I would consider myself a fan of Screams 1 through 4. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. The great franchise as well yeah yeah never has the thought as well much like how it follows is maybe scared of watching a guy walk never has using uh, hearing your telephone ring never been so scary as well yeah jesus like that opening scene where you know with uh, drew barrymore that was iconic what a classic hey great scene yeah. And I love them when they get all meta and they just put that scene in different ways in the rest of the movies. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> really like, great. Is it, is it the sequel where uh, Heather Graham plays Drew Barrymore in the movie of Scream in the beginning on the telephone? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Amazing. Like, and really, and really great experiment, great what if scenario. Like, what if the characters knew they were in a horror movie and that was executed to perfection really fantastic mm -hmm. it's a classic nice choice okay uh should, should i do my next one here oh yes go for it all right okay so uh my number six is child's play the oh. first oh. movie <laughs> wow. yeah that one, 
that one that one scared me even before i ever saw it because when I, before i could start watching horror movies like when i was really young my dad would tell me basically the plot line like he would just kind of like as a joke like be like this is what happens in chucky and this is what happens in this or that and i uh, i always came back to being afraid of chucky in the middle of the night like i thought he would be under my bed and if i put my legs down he would stab me in the ankles and i was so scared of that little guy <laughs> and nick i know i know you do a lot of sketches and stuff uh especially of the horror villains but the only piece of art i've ever made of a horror movie was i i did like a um i don't know what my medium was i sketched it and then i think i did like crayons to color it in but i did a, a chucky with the scars and the faces and the knife asking like do you, hey do you want to play and i kept i kept, you gotta show kept it to me one time you gotta show it to me yeah i don't know if i still have it i kept it for years but it might be gone now but anyway yeah i was like the one the one thing i was like you know what this 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 thing needs to become some art for me <laughs> and then of course i finally i finally saw the movie and i found out that it was actually mostly a comedy and it's not really that scary but i still i still love it that first one's great bride of chucky's my second favorite also good <laughs> yeah and here's a quick question between the two creepy dolls who do you do you who's more scarier chucky or annabelle that's uh, interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Chucky specifically because Brad Dorif's performance is so good. Like he's good in everything. He's good as Grima Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. He's good as like a creepy dude and the handful of other horror movies he, he's in and i think uh, his voice and his delivery um i i think that's more scary so if there's ever gonna be a chucky versus annabelle i'm team chucky <laughs> it's yeah, nice. yeah like i love also the new direction they've been going before the remake like you know how it's gone scary then funny but around when the when it went straight to dvd it went back to its root to its horror roots there are still moments of humor but it's mostly back to what it what made it good in the first place and i love it me too so, moving on to you dane okay so for my number six i've got uh, a girl walks home alone at night Yes. which I just watched this year. That was one of my first movies in quarantine. So that's like a wow. pretty recent one, <laughs> but it made it into one of my favorites because um, it's just, it's just so unique. Like it's, it's mostly, it's more of a romance um, romance meets kind of like neo-noir meets horror. And then it being like just the way it is, right? Like it's um, set, it's set in, in Iran, but um it was filmed in the United States in the desert in California, but it was uh, entirely the cast spoken Persian. And um, Anna Lily Amirpour, the director, she was only like 30 something, maybe early 30s at the time, and one of her first movies. So, really, really inspiring movie because they, they created this style, this like, this atmosphere that um, is really unlike any other movie I've seen. And it's a, like a vampire film. But, um, yeah, set in Iran, which is really unique. And you have, you know, it's a very low-budget film, but uh, it was really, really successful in, in like, the box office and um, commercially, but critically as well. And it's, it's something I think everyone should watch just because it's, it breaks a lot of the conventions of horror and um, the vampire horror genre. And it's something, like, completely new. Like, it feels like a classic film from the 60s like kind of a james dean style protagonist but it's set in such a different way and everything about it is really is really interesting so yeah one to watch 
Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about that film, but I actually still haven't seen it. I've been meaning to watch it. I haven't seen it. I have a feeling I'm going to like it a lot when I do, though. Absolutely, yeah. Every shot is beautiful, and the music is great. It's just, it's a really stylish film, and I think you would appreciate it for its uh, photography. And Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's really good. I, I loved it as well. Like, it was very unique as well. It's whole, it has everything. It's horror, romance, thriller, perfect. And like you said, it's beautifully shot as well. I love the how they added noir, made it black and white, really added the intensity of it. It's really a combo of all the things. As I mentioned, when I mentioned last this last time, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, it's basically twilight but done right <laughs> <laughs> interesting interesting yeah definitely done right yes. and uh yeah you won't forget just the, the imagery in it really 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 iconic like original and mm-hmm. nothing but good t- things to say about it very short movie too like you get through it super quick and you want i watched it twice in the same day because it was that good wow so. dane man it. that's high praise i if i can fit it in before halloween i will if not i'll just watch it out <laughs> that's that's right yeah mm-hmm. on canopy yeah my number six would have to go to the texas chainsaw massacre love that movie. nice Wow, yeah, like, good choice. And like you mentioned, Dane, like you'd think that because it has chainsaw, you'd think bloody slasher, but it isn't. Like it uses very minimal gore compared to the later sequels, and it's it's something different, really. Like, and Toby Hooper, he did a great job with this film with what little he had. Like he didn't need a big budget or a big studio. All he needed was just a camera, a couple of friends and a car to get to Texas. And that's pretty much it. The result mm-hmm. is a masterpiece that helped to popularize the slasher genre. Yeah, what, what year was the original? Uh, 1974. 74. Yeah, yeah. four years before Halloween. Yeah, I, I remember just even the lighting, and I don't know what film they were shooting it on, but I remember just like it was gritty but still warm. I, I really liked uh, just in terms of the, the actual medium. Yeah, and of course it introduced audiences to one of the most iconic slashers, the Leatherface. Like Leatherface is probably one of the most unique horror villains. Like he's not killing what, what he's not killing anyone of malice or because he's evil, but because he's scared. The guy is scared. Like he keeps like whimpering every time he is near his family. Like that's what I think what, what makes Leatherface scary isn't that he's just some guy coming at you with a chainsaw because to those who are, you know, not familiar with his lore, because Leatherface was grew up in a family of, you know, of cannibals and they basically abused him. But despite all that, he still stays with them because they're the only family he has left. Like he never went to school, never saw the outside world. Like he knows he doesn't, he's basically a a child stuck in the body of a grown man and he doesn't know what's right from wrong. 
and that just makes him scary like of course i'm not telling you that you should feel sorry for a guy that kills eats people and wears their faces but yeah that's wrong he's just as scared as we are as the as the same guys that he basically carves up like barnyard animals yeah yeah his family is definitely the the creepiest part i would say <laughs> i mean he's he's terrifying but his family is like ugh, terrible yeah, that, that whole crowd, they got they got a... <laughs> it's the yeah. worst yeah, that, that that dinner scene oh god like that was hell for them to film like excruciating that, yeah like imagine you have having to film in a room where and all the food, it was spoiled because they had to film it all when the temperatures was very hot and they had to film inside a room and the smell was all like, like rot in a room full of rotten meat and they shot that entire scene 24 seven. Like, uh, it's awful, it's crucial. Wow. <laughs> Wow, that's one set you would probably not love to be on, but great movie, great film. <laughs> All right, uh, should I go for my next one here? Definitely. I wonder if there's a chance it's on your guys' lists as well, but uh, Insidious, the first uh, one. That, uh, I haven't seen it yet, no. Uh, mine, very close. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember like when I first saw it, I was kind of at the age where horror movies weren't scaring me anymore. Like they they no longer were scaring me. But uh, yeah, I had like in my the house where I used to live with my parents, we had the full kind of surround sound setup where the speakers behind you. And those films, they really do have that audio um, recorded in the way to really utilize that. So all those like the creepy violin sounds or people behind you, it really sounds like it's coming from behind you. And I just remember like, they, yeah, that, that movie got to me. It scared me. And maybe that red dude who's in the end, they, the, people make fun of him a lot as being like Darth Maul. But uh, that's not the only thing about that film. You know, like there's enough in there to be scary just in the whole upside down world where they shoot all the lighting from below. There's all that fog and, and um, lucid dreaming is kind of a, a part, really a big part of that. And I've almost like actually had lucid dreams. So I wouldn't want to get stuck in the upside down world. And I certainly wouldn't want anyone to steal my body while I'm gone. And the way they have that with the, the two parents being so concerned for their child who, who's not there anymore. Like, the, again, that's just part of horror movies having um, multiple dimensions of kind of morality. And and James Wan and Lee Whannell, those guys are just, they're legends, really. Like, started with Saw, went to Insidious, did The Conjuring. The, like, they are out-and-out out good filmmakers, and I really enjoy uh, the Insidious franchise. And putting the first one on the list as what really kicked it off for me, that's my number five. Nice, man. I'm guessing you'll remember hearing that song by the toilets the same way again, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one Tiny for sure. Turns. Yeah. <laughs> and again, the best horror movies have iconic music and, and soundtracks. They do. So true. And songs that aren't typically associated, like, originally as being scary, but then it's just, it's just like... Turn it on the head. Yeah. yeah. That's what's great about soundtrack dissonance for sure yeah mm -hmm. they're gonna put the alphabet song in a horror movie <laughs> 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 nice choice nice choice um, it's on netflix right now i might give it a watch tonight actually yeah. it's you you can't do wrong with that for sure oh and mm -hmm. one, one more thing and speaking of lee winnell i was just starting to watch his 
latest film, The Invisible Man, in 2020. Yeah, I saw that one. That's his, as far as I know, that's his first film without James Wan, where he uh, he takes more of the mantle of the writing and directing. And um, yeah, there's a lot of good things to, to be said about the movie, but I think as a duo, they're they're stronger. Ah, I see. Uh, James Wan went on to direct maybe Fast and Furious six or seven or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he he blew up pretty big. Right. Uh, and now we move on to you, Dane. So my number five, I've got The Shining. Yes. I have to, I have to name The Shining in the top ten just for its, um, just for its. I think it's rewatchability. Like I, I've, I've seen it so many times, and I'm never like, I'm never tired of it. That's that's what I think really, like I re- I realize that as being a really good movie in my opinion. Um, just first saw it in in film class in like grade eleven, I think grade ten maybe, and. Um, I heard about the mythos around it and, and yeah, I wasn't disappointed by it. Like it's, there's so much to love about the the style, the underlay underlying symbolism. And like, you could analyze that movie for days. And I think that's, that's the kind of thing that, um, I, I enjoy about like classic films is, is analyzing them and, and like kind of watching, like a series of YouTube videos about all of the different interpretations of it. And you, you find so many new things to, to talk about. So that's, that's one that I think is really interesting just for the layers and the obvious classic uh, performances from Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall, just one of the best movies of the eighties. And I think it'll, it'll always be one of the best horror movies. I think. And it's 40 years old now as well. And it still holds up. It still completely holds up. It's legendary, really. Yeah, in fact, I watched The Shining recently, last week, and I now have a newfound appreciation of it. Like, when I I was very young when I first watched it, and I thought, uh, it's just people walking around in a hotel. (laughs) But only I've grown to appreciate it, because that's the atmosphere, like, the feeling Mm. of being, you know, trapped like in mm-hmm. court say like isolated like yeah i without the ghosts or supernatural stuff it's still scary like the thought of being isolated and being with a parent who you know is can be very abusive on abusive with you like you know to your spouse and to your children like that's like monsters are scary but the best horror comes from what can really happen in real life mm. yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Did you guys hear about uh, Stanley Kubrick's treatment of Shelley Duvall, though? Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, you know, it's like the best movies. Sometimes they have some elements that's like, oh, man, I wish that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, she exactly. she was in like maybe one other movie, but basically she quit acting after that because he like was so emotionally abusive to her. And I'm not going to get like I'm not going to say it's to his credit that she gave a good performance like she might have otherwise. But certainly mm-hmm. she uh, was definitely as frayed and frazzled as um, as her character would have been written. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Stanley- Stanley Kubrick, he's he's a great director, but he can be very difficult to work with. He's a perfectionist, really. And to, as more proof of that, that staircase scene where she kept swinging the bat, it took 127 takes to film that entire scene. Oh, wouldn't want to be on that crew either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, that's like over yeah. a day. That's like that's like two days of shooting probably. <laughs> yeah, for one scene. Yeah, it was so intense. Really. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure. Like, uh, 
what actually made the film, I would like to see the other takes because I don't know that her swinging the bat would have been uh, any better in the one they chose than in like take 97 or take 24, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and even more, you know, that scene where the uh, the black guy, Dick Halloran, was his name, right? Yes. Yeah. When he was walking before getting, spoiler alert, axe in the chest, that one, they had to do that sh that scene like more than a hundred times to the point that the actor broke down and kept saying to Kubrick what do you want from me all over again like well uh, makes you wonder what does he want because yeah. how like, he's just walking and getting chopped <laughs> I know that there's like uh, there's wooden performances but I, I, I feel that he could have walked down the hallway and get chopped um, you know good enough in any of those previous takes so I myself don't know what Kubrick wanted <laughs> yeah 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 I, I agree with you guys i think um yeah I'm. I, it's good that <laughs> there's been like a change in um the obvious like rules and like ethics in film film production today um no doubt so like hopefully that doesn't happen again in the future but um the shining is just like all of the all of the things you could kind of poke at it like i mean stephen king didn't like it but you know it, it just became something new i i don't think that um i don't think movies have to stay exactly true to the books they're based on and i think it's good to give the director some some freedom and i think it was a movie that benefited from that um 100 i think kubrick really made it his own and yeah classic movie yeah, yeah, you're right about Stephen King. Like he, he still has mixed feelings. Like he, he enjoyed The Shining just as, just as a film, but not as an adaptation of his novel. Like, mm -hmm. Stephen King, he, I guess he just likes everything now these days. I think. Let's see. On speaking of Stephen King, uh, shout out to our good friend Ben Goodman for the book he gave me for my birthday about Stephen King and the secrets of screenwriting. Oh, is that, is that on writing? Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah, I read that one. It's a great book. It's so good, actually. Is it's really <laughs> screenwriting mojo. Uh, I certainly learned a lot. Like, I mean, that's also a book that I, I would uh, benefit a lot from just in rereading. Like, it, he, it's not just a, it's not just like a writing book. Like, it's it's an autobiography and a writing book. But he also distills like actionable um, advice, whereas you might not get that from a different writing book. I think I think it's great. I think it's a really good book. Nice. Oh, that's awesome to hear. My number five. I'll, I'll say it with one line from this film. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? I give this one to The Witch by Robert Edgar. Nice. Great choice. My God. Like, this film, this is one of the last decade's best horror films. Like, really everything about it like the acting and the tactics they use to scare like no jump scares no gore mostly mm -hmm. and it's mostly about ambience like the, mm -hmm. the the atmosphere like every shot of the film is terrifying it's it's and it's pivotal in telling the story as well and they really captured the setting of the the 1600s the puritan era like robert eggers he did a lot of research for this film like, yeah 
I, I have a little bit insider knowledge of this one. So I worked on a, a horror film. I was the script supervisor for a horror film filmed in Calgary here called True Fiction. And one of the actors in that movie uh, was also an actor in The Witch. He was in the beginning court scene when they get exiled from the community. He was like one of the judges there. And um, he was saying that the director was like so, uh, so like furiously focused on having everything perfect um like the reason the ambiance is so good because of the things he did so here's just one example but he actually made sure that they all had handmade leather like italian leather boots that would have been um like the same shape and size and style and, and materials as what they would have been wearing in the 1600s so they actually had that guy like wearing genuine handmade leather boots in the courthouse even though the feet were never shot on film because he's behind the, the judge's bench and and it's below the frame so it's never even on the film but he was so uh like so much of a perfectionist on what was part of the i guess the wardrobe and everything like that that the ambience turned out the way it did because of i think his extreme attention to detail because if i was filming that movie like i mean i probably like i wouldn't have put them in flip-flops but they would have been wearing <laughs> if it wasn't on the sheen i wouldn't have spent any budget on the boots that's that's for sure yeah yeah meticulous just in terms yeah, meticulous of just for sure making sure everything is exactly how it should be that's really but that's it produced such a great film oh yeah let's notice and, and to attest his attention to detail notice how whenever they are having having dinner the family they're they're eating with wooden forks and spoons rather than silver utensils amazing really and even more impressive the fact that they they didn't use they used little to no lighting this film was shot with natural light really like I guess that's where he made back up his budget from the props. <laughs> yeah. I remember when the when the witch is kind of like sticking just her leg out of like the hut and there's that like intense music. I think it's the boy. Uh, the boy is seeing this and she kind of like tantalizingly sticks her leg out. I remember that being um, very, very memorable. Right. Yeah. And not as memorable of us, of course, as Black Philip, the, the goat, who is yes. may or may not be Satan. Yeah, like that goat, the goat, the real goat, I mean, he was a huge pain in the ass during production. Like he kept misbehaving and he kept like running into the the actors with his horns. And that scene where the father like gets his just desserts, like the that was not like the goat he really was injured when the goat just rammed his horns right into his stomach that was just yeah he was a total dick to everyone on set really <laughs> maybe he is satan yeah what can you expect god it's amazing like really well really well done film and it really like set the bar high for horrors of the 2010s which is also, which would also set the center for many other horror films of the decade. Really love it. One of the best. And also really sold me into Robert Eggers and his next film, The Lighthouse, which was just as great as this one. So, yeah, there's a, a talent okay. there for sure. No. Number four. Okay. My number four is The Thing. John yes. Carpenter makes my list for a third time. <laughs> um, I, I could have not put this one. Like, I mean, we had a big poster of it in my basement with, where I lived with my parents because my dad was a big fan of the movie. It's a great film. Um, Kurt Russell, awesome, amazing, really good. 
the creature itself and the uh, atmosphere of being isolated in Antarctica is, uh, yeah, it's really top notch. Really, really, again, the the set and setting, and the scenery, all of it's a is a character, and you feel very, very much like what can you do? You know, you're you're basically stranded on an island with a uh, unstoppable force and unstoppable monster, and I think in terms of the remakes, the thing is actually a remake of a black and white film, which was made off of a short story. So, mm. the, the yeah, the, the story itself has a lot of substance behind it. A lot of people want to make their own take of it. And then there was like a 2010 remake. It's not so good. It was fine, but nothing could beat the original. Everything about it is like just a classic horror movie you know yeah and it's really great that it has so much you know respect today because at the time it came out it didn't do so well because audiences found it too dark and violent especially since a similar movie et yes came out. et <laughs> yeah yeah and again the practical effects were just top-notch love it like Really, yeah, I just... it's, it's so good. It performed so bad at the box office, but it was completely unjust. It's just the people in that day and age, they wanted a feel-good alien story. They did not want an alien story that would ruin your life. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it performed terribly. It's part of the reason that John Carpenter was like never really able to be a Hollywood director. But um, in retrospect, everyone knows it's an absolute classic and in many ways is a better film than E.T. <laughs> Take that, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that film, the thing, it's much like it follows. This film is paranoia fuel incarnate. Like, you don't know which is, it really has you question if what's real and what's really, you know, not real. No. And when they do that they scene do. with the peach dishes, it's, uh, it's terrifying. Of course, that scene, clear. Absolutely. <laughs> A masterpiece. And now I still need to see it. Oh, maybe I'll watch it. The, I think I'll watch it this semester. I maybe not for my class, but just for my own benefit. I'm going. It's to, good, man. It's also it. a good like winter movie. It doesn't have to be Halloween centered. If That's there's a right. day where there's a blizzard or it's like minus thirty, you it, it'll help you to get into the uh, the feeling of being stranded on a research base in Antarctica. So <laughs> save it for a day like that. <laughs> I'll be sure to do that. We'll have. I'm sure we'll have another day like that pretty soon. <laughs> um, even though it's beautiful right now. Uh, yeah, so happy, happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd probably go with for number four, Psycho. Yes. Uh, the original Alfred Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Um, I've seen it so many times in school. I just saw it like a month ago, but I just, I just really like it. Like. You can't you cannot just kind of get wrapped up in the the mood of the film and Norman Bates like that's his the first time you ever see Norman Bates and um, that was the start of a of a iconic character that's been you know done since so many times and still scares people today with um, Bates Motel. Was it Neil and, Neil Perkins was the original guy? Good performance. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing performance and. Just one of those movies that uh, I, I guess it is. It is so straightforward. It's it's a very short movie. Uh, you know, ninety minutes. I think within ninety minutes, I'm pretty sure. But um, it's it it doesn't like. It's not that it's scary and that I'm you know it freaks you out. But it's just it's just a really good movie. Like I think just like the psychological side, the the character design, the um, 
just everything about it, the setting and another of course, film with great music. Oh yeah. Amazing <laughs> music. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, you just feel like, wow, I'm seeing one of the very first horror movies when you watch it. And it's not like, Oh, this is outdated. It's like, wow, this could be good today. Like this, the, cinematography is incredible like whatever camera they were using for that film is unbelievable 1960 yeah it feels and very alive yeah like you see every detail and it's just it looks like it's like, like an hd camera and it's like how did they do this it's probably been you know there's probably been someone that's helped to make it look better in the last years maybe through making it digital or i don't know but it just looks amazing like the copy that you can find online today it's unbelievable and yeah it's just it's just yeah no words for it except really good <laughs> really really good even people who haven't seen go ahead the, nick oh thank you even though people even people who haven't seen the movie are very very familiar with the infamous shower scene they've even made a documentary about that entire one scene even like, yeah. different <laughs> angles shots it took it's that yeah. icon, the most iconic yeah not just in horror but in cinema history for sure that that reminds me again of my childhood because before i had seen psycho my dad told me there was this movie called psycho where uh you get stabbed in the shower and i used to have like yeah. anxiety. i was like i couldn't do the shampoo because if my eyes closed that's when i would get stabbed so i was like i had to be so careful <laughs> and then yeah. of course you see the movie and there's only one scene of that it's not the whole movie's not about getting killed in the shower and then i was able to move past that <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah, it's like instinctual, actually. Like, I didn't even watch it until I was in high school or whatever. But, like, that was still, I think it was just in the sort of, like, urban mythology, like an old wives' tale of, like, it's, like, just something to be scared of is, like, that vulnerable. You're, you have your eyes closed and you're just standing in a room. And, like, of course, you're, you have no clothes. It's, like, the most vulnerable thing ever. But, like, I, I was always scared of that, too, growing up. And even as an adult, you get freaked out. Like you're in the shower and you just, you hear a sound in your house while you're showering and you're like, hope I have that door locked in my bathroom. Yeah. But it's, it's still something that freaks you out because it is such a weird thing. Weird. Like you're just a sitting duck basically. Yeah. Especially if you're at like a motel where they've drilled a hole through the wall and they're watching you because in the exact moment that your eyes are closed to come in and kill you. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's terrifying it's it's incredibly scary but amazing movie and um you just can't help but be like wrapped up in its um just its um, aesthetic it's incredible mm. it's 50 years old as of this year as well too mm. so, yeah now that just leads me from my number four it's this film it's all about the man of our dreams I give this one to A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, great choice. Yeah. I mean, again, like this film really, like the 80s was a great decade for horror, for slasher in general. And this film is the prime example of that. Like really love the direction, love the story. Like the fact that it took one of our basic needs, sleep, and turned into something that we're all afraid of. Like we all got to sleep at some point and this film really makes it like takes that into the whole new terrifying level that we can be attacked when our defenses are at our lowest for sure. Really. And of course, 
like I said, the strength of a story is based on the strength of a villain. And Freddy Krueger is probably one of the horror I horror genre's greatest villains. Like really, really great. Like, and he's only in the film for just eleven minutes, by the way, and he left quite an impact. Yeah, that's another one I didn't know. Such a short time. Yeah. Like wow. just and love how they made him very unique compared to other horror villains. Like he's not just some guy wearing a mask and is silent. Like he's he's not afraid to show his face, and he's also got quite got the personality as well. Like how he keeps making jokes at his victims' expense, and love the aesthetic too. You know, from the sweater, the hat, the clawed glove. All of it. Yeah, he's a great character. For sure, mm-hmm. and Johnny Depp's first—that's his first movie. <laughs> and what a what a classic death scene he has. Exactly, yeah. And also love how this film really plays with the audience. Like they never make it clear as to what's real and what's a dream. It really blurs the lines between dreams and reality for sure. And keep in mind, this was many years before Inception came out too. Oh yeah, I wonder if that's one of Nolan's uh, hidden inspirations. <laughs> very, it's also very surreal as well. That's my favorite scene when it comes to mind. It really scared me since was when Freddy was introduced. Remember where he his arms are? He moves his arms around the hallway and it's like, yeah. "This God, this is God." Well done, really well done. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah sequels they have made freddy goofier as the sequels went on but sequels are not nothing can take away from the original and it's west cravens a nightmare on elm street they gave us nightmares for so many years but yet we still came back for more <laughs> it's earned my place on this list okay sure. uh, my number three candy man you guys seen that one? I've heard of it. I'm oh, you gotta to. see it. It's so good. It's so good. I think, uh, yes, Tony Todd, unbelievable performance. He's scary. And there's uh, Virginia Madsen's the actress in that movie. She looks a bit like Dana Scully from the X-Files, but it's not her. It's Virginia Madsen. And, um, yeah, it's it's a good one. I think I think the reason it's so good is the atmosphere. So it takes place in, like, the Chicago housing projects and – man they it's gritty it's dark it's scary it's like it could be a scary movie all on its own without the urban legend of Candyman. but yeah it's good so if you mm. say his name five times he comes and kills you basically <laughs> that's that's the story but it feels a bit deeper it feels like there's more uh it's like a richer substance kind of film it's not just a bloody mary three times in the bathroom sort of scenario and they have a lot mm. of like really great on location shooting one of the best parts is when uh, I don't know if she opens it or rips it off the wall, but she she moves in. She's like next door in one of these housing projects, and she takes off the medicine cabinet in the mirror, and behind it there's a hole in the wall to like a boarded up apartment that this empty place covered in graffiti and s- incredible graffiti. And she goes through it, and it's so scary. It's like Coraline a bit, where there's like another house mm-hmm. attached to your house that's like everything's flipped around. Um, it's a great film. It's it's my number three horror movie of all time. So definitely check wow. it out. Uh, I'm supposed to watch it for my film class in the coming weeks, so I'm excited for this. <laughs> It'll be worth it. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy this one. Wow, thank you, Ryan. I'm excited now. Extra excited. <laughs> What's your number three, Dane? 
So my number three, I've got uh, Black Swan, um, the 20, what was it, 2010? Yeah, I think 2010. 2010. Um, Darren Aronofsky, of course, Natalie Portman. It is, yeah, it's just, it's more psychological than anything, but it's it's um, a horror film nonetheless. It's very scary. And you feel like like you can definitely, you're in the mind of Natalie Portman and you feel like you're kind of going insane with her at the same time as, as her descent into just her mental state, right? At, near the end of it, by the end. I can't speak. <laughs> um, it's just such I've a good actually, movie. I've actually never seen Black Swan. No? I can't believe it, but I've actually never seen it, no. <laughs> you should. It's absolutely an experience. I think like... Um, the like the atmosphere is amazing. It's New York, but it's it's very like dark, cold New York, like where it's all very competitive. You have these dancers, everyone's like the best at what they do. And it's just this sort of sense of like needing to be like the best and you're kind of under all of this pressure and then there's the whole psychological side of it. And um yeah, and then the horror kind of comes through in like hallucinations that Natalie Portman experiences and her descent into a really bad place. So it is really interesting. That are, that are about descents into madness. Those are like oh, some of yeah. my, my favorite <laughs> sub genre. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Black Swan, another key element where the horror comes from is on reality because much like Natalie Portman, many like performers, especially method actors, they've gone through lots of extreme things to really nail their acting part, their performance, like Heath Ledger as the Joker, for example. Like this mm -hmm. is one really it answers the question it asks the question like how far are you willing to go to get what you want and yeah or find concept yeah it's like a, it's like an even darker whiplash in a way like a more like more of a horror version of whiplash like the same sort of idea like someone pursuing their absolute best at what they do their craft their art but sort of all of the the negatives that follow you when you go for that ultimate perfection right so well it's pretty interesting yeah it's pretty it's a cautionary tale right like you don't want to end up this way even though success would be would be nice is it worth sort of this destruction of your soul right so well i would see black swan first but that almost makes mm. you want to watch whiplash again because that's, <laughs> that's, that's a good movie too i like that one a lot it, it is yeah one uh, of the best miles teller he's good eh? he's good yeah, yeah. Like successor of black swan yeah yeah absolutely what's yours nico number three um the bronze medal a film that taught us an important warning that in space, no one can hear you scream. Yes. A by Ridley Scott. God, love, love that show. Like having, it's really a staple in sci-fi horror, really. And love it. Like very, it's like Jaws, but in space, really. What made it scary for me is not the creature itself, but rather how it's used. Like the alien, it's much like Nightmare and Silence of the Lambs, like the titular villain. The It's a two-hour film, and the alien has only four minutes of screen time. And in just those four minutes, the alien became one of cinema's most iconic movie monsters. Like, we only see close-ups of its face, its body, it's co covered in darkness. And even when the alien is not there, it doesn't make it any better. Like, it's still just as scary. You, like, you can feel its presence in every scene. It is 
like that shows that less is more really something that the later sequels clearly didn't learn it's a great movie it's the most horrifying of the franchise like obviously it gets to be a bit more actiony in james cameron's sequel but i'm a huge fan of the whole franchise i love them all so I'm uh, happy that I made your list because I actually didn't include it. I had it on there, crossed it off, decided to say this can fit on my sci-fi list because I had a hard time fitting, <laughs> had a hard time nailing down ten. But Aliens, such a good film. I'm, I'm glad that you had it on there. Yeah, I would say the same. It's in my top twenty-five-ish. I just saw it like a few weeks ago for the first time, so that was nice. Like, your good, good timing. Now I have something to talk about because on our alien episode, I still hadn't seen it. <laughs> I, I was just listening, just like, wow, this sounds great. But I finally watched it. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a terrific movie. So good for its time. Like unbelievable. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the, the world building in that and the, the character design of the alien. It's you just, you feel like there's no chance you could survive this alien. Like it's just, this guy's, this guy's going to get you. And yeah, it's, it's scary. <laughs> it was actually made by HR Jigger. Yeah. Heinz, Ru Heinz Rudy, Heinz Rudy Giger. He's such, yeah. such a talent, such a talent. Yeah. Like the alien, I love the design. Like it made, it's biomechanical. Like it has almost like sexual imagery to it as well like the alien actually is meant as a metaphor for the fear of rape of being sexually assaulted like like think about it like you're something is putting a baby in you and you don't even know it and it's all done against your will that's just that's just messed up really you just come to think about it really God. I heard I heard the studio actually made him change the design for the eggs because they thought the eggs were like uh, like too vaginal seeming for audiences. They thought it was like way too explicit. So they made him redesign the egg instead of having like like the four way. Like I guess he had kind of just like a two way opening, but he redesigned it in a way that H.R. Uh, Giger himself feels is even more explicit. But he, he so he thought it was ironic. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, they, they forced him to change it, and he changed it into a way that he thought was probably a little more sexually explicit in terms of imagery. And they th the studios thought it was better, so they're like, okay, we'll we'll roll with how it how it ended up in the in the film. Mm. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Who could forget that iconic scene, the the chestburster god? Mm -hmm. Oh, super disturbing. Mm -hmm. I felt really bad for him. Like he, <laughs> he finally. Thinks that like the worst is over, and then oh, no, the worst is begun. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, what, what made this thing even more impressive is the fact that what you just saw there, with the actors, that was not acting. Like they were genuinely terrified because Ridley Scott, he intentionally did not tell them what was going to happen in that scene to get a genuine reaction. Like mm. it's, it's like they read they read the script, but they had no idea how the practical effect was going to be achieved. And that's when we thought we are watching something we have never seen before. Amazing, it's really amazing. Really cool. Yeah. Okay, I gotta kind of leave in about five minutes or so here, so I'll, I'll try to do my last two uh, quickly. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. My number two, uh, The Lost Boys. 
You guys seen that one? Mm, oh, <laughs> not, not fully, but I know of it. Yeah, it's a Joel Schumacher film, and he is the guy who did those Batmans that nobody likes. <laughs> the ones with, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. and Michael Keaton has, like, nipples on his bat suit. Um, yeah, those, that's Joel Schumacher's other big, uh, big film. But I love The Lost Boys. I think it achieves uh, exactly what it's set out to, builds an incredible atmosphere, great great universe takes place in a fictional place but i think it's uh it's like filmed in santa monica california but i think they call it like i forget the place maybe santa barbara or something in the movie but it's in the film it's the murder capital of the world because so many people there's so many unsolved homicides there but it's about vampires there's a there's a group of vampires living there and it's just kind of a fun weird film the vampires are very nihilistic they're obsessed with like jim morrison and the doors and they (laughs) they hang out and they do cool things it's like they're like a cool group of teenage like teenage vampires you know so i saw that as a kid i liked it a lot and then there's like two 10 year olds Corey Feldman and Corey Haim, the two Corys from back in the day, they are uh, they team up to be vampire hunters, and uh, Corey Haim's older brother gets indoctrinated into the vampire group through like a female love interest. Um, it's a very specific film, like a very '80s vibe, and I, I love '80s vibes, so it's it's my number two. It's my number two. Great choice. I still need to see it, but I know like I the the name like it. I I can just see the the characters, their hair and the little leather and everything. <laughs> it's good, good music, good good lighting. A lot of it takes place at night. It feels uh, it's like an easy world to get into. It's a, it's a good movie. When I first heard the title, I thought it was going to be a Peter Pan spinoff, but no. It's I... almost Peter Pan spinoff, but in, instead the Lost Boys, they're vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and my number two uh the lighthouse robert eggers one of my favorite movies of the last decade 2010s and uh pretty recent one i just saw that a year ago in december and i i knew i would like it i didn't know i didn't know i would love it as much as i did and um like i said earlier as much comedy as there is horror but um the horror is is not like scary but it's it's just really interesting i love the the mermaid and the um the the octopus the kraken and everything like just so it's just so good and like so historically accurate again robert Eggers, his his historical accuracy is unbelievable and um i love that there's this renaissance going on with his movies of like old like regional tales being put onto the screen like these new england tales of supernatural things that are things that are passed down generation to generation so i hope that continues into other directors influences and everything in the future so yeah new england is somehow a very scary place (laughs) (laughs) frequently it is yeah really strong powerhouse performance from robert pattinson this film made me believe that he has what it takes to be the new batman he's a legend Mm -hmm. and i'm excited for the new batman I, I'm really I got I got faith in the guy as well. Yeah. Right. He absolutely like forget Twilight. Those days are <laughs> over. <sighs> Couldn't agree more. Yeah, he's gonna be really good. Generational talent, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your what's your number two, Nick? Mine, well, the decade was full of great horror films, but this one has to be number one for me of the decade. I give this one to Hereditary by Ari Aster. Wow. Nice choice. The first choice. film I watched in quarantine. Just, wow. 
Ari Aster is almost too much for me. That guy messes my head right up. <laughs> I love the guy. Like he, I, he knows not how to scare, but how to disturb the audience for sure. Like no, again, this is like the witch. No jump scares. No over the top gore, gratuitous nudity. Just pure like dreads spent through a, and it's a slow burner, but it's really worth it. All of it. Like. It's yeah, just two yeah. hours of watching a family being slowly destroyed by something that is just evil. It's like you're in a tight space and the walls just keep closing in every second. It's fantastic. I think probably it's fair to say that Ari Aster has horrified me the most of any director um, in, since since the year 2000. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> of all horror films, like forget just in the last 10 years, I won't go past 2000 into the past but i can't remember a time that i've been more disturbed watching a film than i have been with both hereditary and the opening 30 minutes of midsummer he he makes me sick <laughs> i will i will watch through his career with great interest <laughs> yeah, yeah you'll see what all this is yeah you really see where all this is heading for sure with hereditary like the fact and can you believe it like the first 30 minutes a child gets horribly decapitated in a car accident. God. I have God. never seen anything like that before in a movie, ever. That's right. And what makes it worse is not just that we saw a child lose her head, but the trailers made it look as if she, uh, Charlie, was going to be the main character. So mm -hmm. it was really shocking that she got killed off way too early. Like, this is the first time we saw that this movie is not going to pull any punches at all. Fantastic. Very true. And Tony Collette, she delivered the performance of a lifetime. Oh God, did she ever, did she ever? <laughs> joke, a joke that she didn't get nominated for an Oscar. It's just baffling. Come on. Yeah. Restaurant scene. I think probably just the Academy was also too disturbed to give her a nod. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, all right. My number one, 28 weeks later. Oh, great choice. Uh, it's basic summary. Yeah, it's 28 weeks later. It's um, it's not even the original. Like Danny Boyle direct wrote and directed, or not wrote. Sorry, that was Alex Garland. But Danny Boyle directed the first film. He did not direct the second film, but he I think he stayed on as a producer. But for whatever reason, the sequel is even scarier and even more approachable to me. And it might be the fact that it's filled with like an American cast versus uh, British. For whatever reason, like maybe I'm just feeling. Uh, I can relate more to, to the American cast, but yeah, that was the scariest movie um, for me as a kid. I used to, I used to like, I actually had it on my like iPod touch and I would show other kids on the bus, the scariest scenes just to freak them out <laughs> because it's such a scary movie. The soundtrack's incredible, very intense and, and droning and frightening. And Jeremy Renner, Rose Byrne, uh, Idris Elba, it's got a great cast and um, yeah, it feels very, very terrifying. So in that one, they've basically eradicated this, the uh, zombie virus, the rage virus, but it comes back with a vengeance because you can't you can't keep it fully contained. They were in the process of like uh, they had like a quarantine zone and they were out to start bringing back in people into London. And they, but they all had to stay in like zone one. And then the, the soldiers were going out and killing all the zombies in zones two and three and four and kind of expanding and um, getting back uh, England. But 
yeah, the zombies, they, they make a comeback and it, for a lot of reasons, it's like a morally challenging movie. It has a lot of layers in terms of like what you'd be willing to do ethically to, for the greater good. And I think it's like a, it's a, it's a horror film. Then like everyone should see, like, it's just, it is intense and terrifying. <laughs> That's my number one. Nice. Wow. Excellent. Nice choice. I loved I love 28 Days Later. I don't think I ever saw 28 Weeks Later though yet, but that's that's one I have on my list. In my opinion, it's one of the t- it's one of the rare times that the sequel surpasses the original. Wow. That's good to know. That's on my list. Coming weeks. And my number one um kind of a one that might surprise people but uh it's the original Blair Witch Project I think that's probably like I'm not saying that's the best horror movie of all time but it's a personal favorite I would say for um for what it for what it for what it does as a movie I mean like it was 99 no one had ever seen found footage films before and um it was the first film that like cleverly had a marketing uh strategy to like fool people to think that this was a real like found footage documentary and they set up a website and it was like i wasn't old enough to like witness this but it was around me when i was young and you guys were young too i'm sure you probably heard a lot about it from your parents and um like my parents were just like terrified by it when they saw it and they they were scared to drive in the woods and like go camping (laughs) for a while even though like we did shortly afterwards but it was just that seeing like it scare your parents as much as it did and like older people that was like something that was really interesting because like normally you're the one that's scared and your parents are telling you like don't worry it's just a movie but now it was like my parents were actually really scared by this because it was so realistic and it was so strange like it was it was so new for the time this style of filmmaking so it's uh definitely for the the mythos around it and the um what it did right like it's a super low budget movie where it looks like they are just as like university students but it it is just a film and they're acting but you could be fooled by it back in the 90s before you had like access to the internet or like you knew what this movie was about so that's something that even watching it in the 2010s it's uh i think it's all of that like history behind it makes it a really interesting watch not that it's the scariest movie of all time not that it's like the best made or the most perfect movie but i think it's it's one that like exemplifies like scaring people of every age the most in my opinion yeah and i love how it there's a sense of ambiguity to it like mm-hmm. a witch or not we never know and that just makes it even more terrifying for sure i think it's scarier indeed mm-hmm. And my number one, my golden medal for best horror movie of all time will go to The Night Heat Came Home, Halloween. Love it. Nice. This this film, it's a classic in every sense of the word. Like, first off, I love the, the music. John Carpenter had no musical experience, but he has a good ear for it. And he created a, a theme song that even if you're not a fan of horror, you already know where it's coming from. It's that iconic. The cinematography, it's really well filmed in a suburban neighborhood. Like it makes it feel real as it to make the audience feel just as vulnerable as the characters. Great performance from Jamie Lee Curtis, who this was basically her first film role ever, and she delivered spectacularly. Perfect final girl. 
But of course, the strength of the film to me comes in the film's main villain, Michael Myers. Like, Michael Myers is probably my favorite horror icon ever. Just how really terrifying the fact that he has no reason for what he does. He's just this soulless embodiment of evil. Like, the boogeyman, the, the shape, really. It's fantastic. Like, every... It feels real too. That opening scene where he kills his sister at the beginning, oh god, that creeped me out. The fact a child could commit that much violence and everything, the acting, the cinematography, the suspense, it's just, this is a perfect horror movie. You rely more on suspense than minimal gore for sure. And I loved also the the new film, the 2018 sequel, it really great way to bring Michael yeah. Myers. Yeah, it was screen. good, wasn't it, eh? That oh, reboot. Yes. Uh... The the direct sequel, the reboot sequel, <laughs> it's a good one. It's very good, very very good. And can't wait for the next two films. By the way, yeah, Halloween. they delayed it. Wasn't it supposed to come out this year, but they delayed it because of COVID? I think. That's right. Something like yeah. that. Right. Okay, guys, I gotta I gotta wrap this up. I gotta head out, but it has been an honor, pleasure, and an honor being on Sin City. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan Robinson. Maybe, maybe sometimes you can have me back on and we'll just do honorable mentions oh, yeah. <laughs> because I, I have so many more films I want to talk about. And uh, yeah, it's been real. It's been it's been great. A lot of fun. And congratulations to it. This is by far our longest episode ever. We hit the two-hour mark. We could easily, we could be getting Joe Rogan lengths here. I know we could go to three hours if we started talking about the honorable mentions. <laughs> so true. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, I, Ryan. I appreciate, I appreciate the invite and uh yeah i hope hope to come on the show again soon oh absolutely yeah that's a given bye sure. guys happy see you halloween. later ryan happy <laughs> halloween is see you soon too and this has been sin city live with cr cmru.ca with your host nick menaces and dane mclean thank you so much thank you thank you so much for listening yeah. you guys i hope you have a great halloween and um yeah Hope you're not too scared by these movies if uh, you end up watching them. But we do have to warn, they are very, very, very good and effective at what they do. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Nick. I'll see you soon. Dude, see you, man. Bye. Right, good luck. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye, Nico.